So sometimes our deepest desires for our loved ones is that they would come and embrace the practice of the Catholic faith. So for me, my siblings don't really practice the faith. My parents do. And in some ways, they find it ironic because I came to the faith through them because of their love for me. And so I hope and I trust that God will also lead them to the faith, hopefully through my love for them. And in some ways, God revealed that he was working in my, my, the life of my family uh, recently. A couple of weeks ago, my sister, she was married, she's married, and she has a mother-in-law. And her mother-in-law had uh, basically a mini stroke and had to go to the hospital. And what's really interesting is that her mother-in-law is, is Buddhist. But her mother-in-law asked my sister for me to come to the hospital. And I was like, oh, why does she want me to go there? She said, I don't know, just pray with her. I was like, okay. So I go there and then I see her and I settle her down and I find her phone and her charger and I kind of set her up and I'm like, hey, my sister told me you wanted me to be here. What, what, did you, what did you need? And she said to me, hey, uh, I was just wondering if you could download the rosary app on my phone. I was like, what? You're praying the rosary? I thought you were Buddhist. She's like, yeah, I've been praying the rosary for the last few months and it gives me a lot of peace. I was like, wow. So then I download the app, and then as I'm downloading it, she says, can you also download the Divine Mercy Chaplet too? I was like, what? You're praying that too? And so it's amazing that she's coming to faith, not through me, it's from her friends that she knows from somewhere, and she's seeking peace, and she's found it in the rosary. And so it gives me confidence that God is working in her life, hopefully to get to my brother-in-law, and hopefully to get to my sister eventually. That's the master plan. But there is in some ways a mystery to the way God works in our lives. But is there some way that we can participate and assist in this process? Assist in bringing others to the Father? And upon reflecting upon the Gospel, one path that really sticks out for me is the path of beauty. Bishop Robert Barron talks a lot about it. A lot of theologians talk a lot about it. And beauty is unique from goodness or truth because Beauty has the ability to awaken awe and wonder within us. If you've ever gone hiking and seen a beautiful mountain, or seen a beautiful piece of art, or listened to beautiful music, you know the experience of this sense of awe. As a priest, I get to do weddings, and I get to stand in the front with the groom, but whenever the bride comes in, I never look at the bride. I always look at the groom. And I can see the groom many times so deeply moved by the beauty of his bride. But imagine if I came up to him and told him the truth about the beauty of the bride. Go, hey man, like, she's not going to come in, but this is your bride. She's wearing white. She's got a veil on. She's wearing makeup. I don't know what it looks like, but she's beautiful. Right? He wouldn't have the same visceral experience of beauty as opposed to experiencing beauty itself. And I say this not to reject truth. Truth is important. But what I would propose is that in our world today, we begin with beauty rather than truth, so that in reaching the hearts of people through beauty, we can appeal to them with the truth. Because in our world right now, we're in a post-rational culture, which doesn't really believe in truth. If I tell you the truth, the world will say, well, that's your truth. Well, I don't believe in that truth. Or, There's no such thing as truth. And so it's harder to argue with the truth in our world nowadays. It doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. It doesn't mean that people are moved by truth. But I believe that beauty is a way of, of disarming our hearts. You can't really argue 
with beauty in some ways. And the reason why I think beauty is so important is because beauty leads us to the experience of God. St. John Paul II says that beauty stirs the hidden nostalgia for the transcendence. And so whenever we encounter beauty, there's this hidden nostalgia, this awakening and this desire for infinite beauty that we never realized that we had before. It's because we're made this way. God made our hearts to yearn for the infinite beauty, which is God himself. And so when we encounter beauty, God uses that as a foretaste to draw us to him. And I think that's what our gospel speaks about today. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And when you read that, it sounds like a very cursory, very simple detail, it's easy to miss. But if you reflect deeply on Jewish culture, Philip is expressing a deep desire to see the face of God. If you go to the book of Exodus, Moses, who is the closest to God, desired to see God. He said, God, let me see your glory. And then God says to Moses, no man can see my face and live. And so glory and face are interchangeable terms in some ways, that to see the face of God is to see his glory. And so what God doesn't say is that God doesn't show Moses his face. He passes by and Moses is allowed to see his back. And so throughout the Old Testament, the people of Israel have been longing to see the face and the glory of God. But what's really interesting is that Jesus today says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so what Jesus is saying is that I'm coming to reveal the glory of God. If you go back to chapter 13, at the end of the chapter, he says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And there's different ways you can interpret that, but one way we could interpret that is Jesus, the hour is coming for him to reveal the glory of God through himself. That's why he says, whoever sees me sees the Father, because you will see the glory through me. And the hour that Jesus is speaking of is the hour of his passion his death on the cross, his act of self-sacrificial, unconditional, extraordinary love. He says, this is the way in which you will see the glory of God. In fact, the cross is the way we see the Father and we, we see the glory of God. John Paul II says that Christ, by the revelation of the mystery of the Father and of his love, reveals man to himself and makes his supreme calling clear. And he reveals the Father's love, particularly through the cross. And so the way that we can begin to transform the world, begin to appeal to our loved ones, I believe, is through the beauty of love. Love has the ability to transform the hearts of peoples. And it's not just theory. I believe it's practical and in, in, in practice as well. There's this beautiful testimony of Dan Burke. You might have heard it. it's on Catholic Answers. It just came out like 11 days ago and has over 100,000 views. Dan Burke is the founder of the Avila Institute, talks about John the Cross and Teresa of Avila. It's a very good spiritual writer. And he speaks about his conversion journey from Judaism to Catholicism. And he speaks about this one story in the middle of his talk about how he was Protestant. And he was very anti-Catholic at this time, and he's working at Focus on the Family, which is this family organization run by evangelicals. And the reason why he was anti-Catholic was because his dad was Catholic when he was growing up, but his dad was very abusive. And so he has this bad association with Catholicism. 
And so one day he meets this lady named Phyllis at his work, and he doesn't like her because she's Catholic. So every time he sees her, he kind of insults her, he puts her down, he doesn't treat her very nicely. But Phyllis was always patient, always engaging him in conversation, inviting him to speak more. Several months or years later pass by, and Phyllis decides that she wants to move on to another work. And so she's having a farewell party, and she invites everyone, including Dan. But when Dan hears about this party, he's like, man, good riddance. I don't want to go to that party. And then his boss really wants him to go, so his boss comes and he tells him, you have to go to this party. So then he comes to this party, and then there's these five chairs in the front. There's probably about 100 people at this farewell party because she was so well-loved. And they invite him to sit in this first chair. And as he's sitting in this first chair, Phyllis comes up in front of all these people. And then she begins to tell them how much Dan has helped her grow in her faith with all the patience that was required to love him and just the virtues that were needed to love this man. And I believe she did it sincerely with great love and gratitude. And then what she did was she knelt down and then she washed his feet. So think about it. This man who intentionally and consciously treated this woman badly, and then this woman who knew he was treating her badly, still chose to respond to him with gratitude, but also with self-sacrificial, extraordinary love. And if you listen to the video, he, he's, he's choking. Like, he's, he's, he's getting choked up because of this experience, because he knew he was unworthy of this special love. He knew something was special about her. And it was a pivotal moment that made him Catholic. And so he concludes his talk by saying, love is a bridge over which truth can pass. And so my brothers and sisters, we desire that our loved ones would come to know the truth of the Catholic faith. But let's pray today that we may have the courage to love them with extraordinary love, with self-sacrificial love, with unconditional love. And in doing so, we pray that they may encounter the beauty of love through our actions, to see this as a reflection of this greater beauty of God, who is love who desires to bring all his children into his kingdom.